people have got to have a crack while they can in whatever idea and or whatever business or and it could be in a relationship you know go after the dream chick or dream <laughs> guy or whatever and just have a go what's the worst that's going to happen i think the only way to build it is to build something or build it out an idea or go write the book whatever it might mm. be but go and go and do something the world pays us based on having an actual go not being full of ideas and hopes and dreams but no balls mm. Life's too short to be sitting there wondering and live with regrets mm. of not having a go. One thing that I hear time and time again in my seminars is, Trav, you've given me permission to go for it because life is way too short mm. not to. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Y2 podcast, where I interview interesting and noteworthy people to learn about their journeys and specifically look to understand their beliefs, values, mindset, and the resources they used to get started and succeed on their journey. I'm your host, Dustin Elliott, and today's guest is Travis Bell. Now, Trav is best known as the bucket list guy. As a self-appointed bucket listologist, Travis has obsessively studied the bucket list phenomenon and blended the world's best positive psychology principles to create his own unique bucket list life philosophy. He's actually designed his life around the bucket list, and now he helps bucket listers all over the globe create and cross off theirs. From that, Travis is an accomplished mentor, coach, podcaster, and speaker, and he's actually already ticked something off his bucket list and that of the bucket list of many of the guests I've interviewed on this show by speaking at a TED event. I'm so grateful for Trav to be able to take us through his incredible journey of the ups and the downs of his life, from right at the beginning of being a personal trainer through it all to coming to an abrupt end, to then starting his incredible path that he's on now being the bucket list guy. I very much look at uh, Travis's journey of speaking and inspiring others as something I aspire to do and very much feel this podcast are the first steps of me being able to do that. His insights into personal development, living to your values, and everything that makes Trav Bell such a unique individual are all things we go through. No matter what you're at in your life or what you want, the themes and perspectives that Travis speaks about are central to how we live our lives and are absolutely incredibly powerful. With that being said, let's get to today's chat. Travis, welcome to the Y2 Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm so excited for today's chat. Um, obviously, before I came on, I was like, I got the opportunity to sit down with you, doing a bit of research about you, known about you beforehand, but always want to make sure I'm I'm ready to go before I sit down. And researching you and just looking at some of the things you've done, and obviously you being the bucket list guy, which we'll talk a bit about today, some mm-hmm. of the things you've done in your bucket list are things that I'm very, very jealous of and I'm very <laughs> excited to do one day. We were just talking about before we uh, turned on the mic today about... One of the things I want to do, and one of the things one of my previous guests, Corey Wassel, have on our bucket list is doing a uh, TEDx event as well, too. Yeah. Um, so very cool. I'm very honored to be here. Very humbled to have the opportunity to sit down and um, obviously learn a bit more about yourself. My pleasure. Welcome to Ocean Grove. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Maybe to your home. <laughs> so obviously, I'm really excited. And we'll, uh, there's going to be so much we're going to get into and talk a bit about today. But cool. but as always, we want to sort of go back and sort of, you know, who who is who is Trav Bell a little bit? And and specifically, you've got a lot of amazing stories, but I know one that I, I love hearing is about um, you had a particular dare that was asked of you uh, many years yes. ago that um, I believe was a bit of a chilly day. Oh, yes. Uh, look, I'm not proud of this moment, but um, yeah, Mike's wife uh, 
challenged me, we were just walking down the street and she challenged me to do, you know, on my bucket list and, and it was always about fear and what is, it wasn't actually on my bucket list, it was kind of like just put there on the last minute and I, and I said yes, uh, ego is an amazing thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's exactly the same reason I'm doing this Tour de France, you know, following the Tour de France yeah. for a week and, uh, you know, I just signed up to it uh, just because nine guys, nine friends, so-called friends, <laughs> said to me I bet you can't so uh yeah she said to me uh you won't do that you know that nude art drawing class you won't be a model for that and I said you know bull I I won't swear but uh and I ended up being a nude model for an art drawing class now I grew up in speedos you know I grew up swimming doing surf lifesaving and layer of protection always helps but Standing there stark naked in front of people about to draw you, that's intimidating. Mm. So it was ego ego <laughs> at that time that, um, and some would argue, oh, you'd do that, no worries. But no, it was terrifying. So she said, yep, yep, I bet you won't do it, I bet you won't do it, I bet I will, I bet I will. And I ended up doing it. And <clears throat> yeah, it was, uh, it was terrifying. And the fact that you know, I, I tell this story sometimes and I say, look, um, number one, if you're going to put this on your bucket list, be very, very careful. And <laughs> all the males out there, just be very, very careful and take these tips on board. So, guys, get a pen and paper out. Uh, number one, don't do it in the middle of winter, mm-hmm. which is what I did. Number two, <laughs> number two, um, make sure you don't do it in the uh, in the art studio next to the coffee shop that you go to every morning to get your local uh, to get my coffee um of which and it's totally you know totally okay uh, where the barista is gay, is gay um so let me just say that there's a you know from there on there's a little bit more sugar in mm, my coffee so absolutely. to speak <laughs> um, <laughs> and a wink um and three always suss out if there is another younger female who's going to be joining you on that day when you thought you were flying solo. <laughs> and so, bang, I, de- I sign up, I derobe, <clears throat> I sprawl out on the couch and then she walks in, <laughs> no word of a lie, and she's good looking, you know, and she's on the couch next to me, I'm trying not to look. And now I've done, you know, the thing is I've done a lot of, personal development, I've done a lot of self-help, I've done NLP, I even coach life coaches to be life coaches, uh, positive psychology, you know, the whole bit of you know, theory, theory, theory. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life and as you can see, the books behind me, I've, a lot of psychology, let's just say I had to draw on all that, <laughs> all that stuff to just, let's say, talk it down mm. and uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a moment that I, I was actually proud of myself after that for not... Um, coming to attention, let's just say, during that moment. Uh, you know, they were all, I derobed, she derobed, and everyone was in art, art mode. They didn't mm. really give a shit, you know. So I uh, sat there and I've actually got drawings in the other room of me. They're, they're abstract, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, um, you can't really tell it's me, yeah. but at the end of the day, it was a terrifying experience. But... You know, I, I say it's all about it's all about the you that exists on the other side of fear. You know, a bucket list 
is all about your potential. And uh, for me, I don't know, life changed that day. It was kind kind of interesting. Absolutely. But um, I would, you know, I would go back and do, you know, be behind the easel on the other side. I, I'd like to do some art drawing classes at some stage. And uh, but anyway. I don't know why, how we got onto that, but that was. Uh, thanks for bringing that. I'll probably end up in the bottom of the shower in the fetal position. Thank, <laughs> I love that. Thanks very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. I got to ask the million dollar question too. If you knew you were going to have somebody joining you for that, would you still signed up? Yeah, she was pretty hot. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I, no, I, I probably wouldn't have because I thought I was flying solo, and then you know. But anyway, I love that life. Life throws you those unexpected little events. You oh. think you think you've got it, and then all of a sudden, it's a bit deeper than you thought. Eh? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, anyway. I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, <laughs> so obviously you've got a, a really interesting story and I, you, probably most of my listeners have heard about you or seen some of your talks and if they haven't, we'll, nice. um, we'll make sure that we obviously put the TED Talk up because yeah, obviously cool. accomplished in that sense. But obviously your your life as the, the bucket list guy didn't start as the bucket list guy. You you actually come from the, was it personal training? Personal training, yeah. I, I, we're down here in Ocean Grove now. I grew up here doing a surf life-saving, competitive surfing, uh, swimming, and uh, I was pretty much a jock my whole life, uh, just scraped through school, <laughs> just got into university, mm-hmm. did a Bachelor of Applied Science in Phys Ed, and as a result, um, it, it was actually in my third year uni, I started doing, well, I started doing personal training, and there was this guy who, who became a mentor in the early days, he was doing this thing called personal training in the early 90s and I had no idea what the hell I was going to do. I thought I was going to be a kid's PE teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's doing this thing called personal training, just follow him around and as a result, he said, read this book, this pre-internet, mm-hmm. pre-crack book, pre-Google machine. <laughs> and he said, look, go to this seminar, go read this book, subscribe to these magazines, etc., etc." And I just did everything he said. Um, he trained a lot of celebrities and stuff in Melbourne, so he's an absolute rock star for, for me as a country boy. And um, he's getting paid quite well per hour too, which is <laughs> I didn't I really like working, you know, long hours. So, you know, if I could just work that many hours, I could equal, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of worked out. And uh, I just started doing personal training and, you know, I got up to... <clears throat> Uh, I think my record was 63 one-hour mobile per, mobile personal training sessions in a week. Busy guy, wow. And then I uh, got really busy and then started to employ other trainers because um, I couldn't maintain that for too long. Got up to 13 personal trainers working for me in my first in that first business, running around Melbourne doing corporate health programs, all sorts of things. Uh, then centralised it all in Melbourne in a 400-square-metre uh, lot warehousing in Richmond, mm-hmm. um, just down near Channel 9. And we had uh, all the trainers working in there. And I worked out really quick that I was a great personal trainer, but shit business person. I didn't do my maths right. I fell fell behind on, on rent. Um, I had to uh, regretfully borrow some money off my, my dad uh, to keep the doors open. It's not good when the real estate agent says, oh, look, you know, um, we're gonna, if you don't pay us rent, we're going to... Uh, close the doors on you. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to lock the doors tomorrow morning. So, shit, what am I going to do? So I, I lived in the studio for a little bit, um, just went back to basics, had a heap of trainers, you know, leave at that point in time. Um, went from 13 to about three and then I uh, just went back on the tools from managing everyone to, you know, becoming a personal trainer again. Mm-hmm. And it was around that time that uh, business coach 
kind of came into my life and I, I had this goal of, you know, doing big things with personal training um, because it was in the infancy of, of the industry. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, he said to me, oh, look, Trav, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to be the first to franchise personal training studios in Australia. And Why did you want to do that? Obviously, as kind of just a guy who kind of starts it, does really well and builds a business. What was sort of the... I read the, uh, I think the E-Myth is probably down there somewhere. The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Mm-hmm. It, takes, it talks about leverage through licensing, through franchising, mm-hmm. through getting a, you know, creating a model that others can buy, you know, because I knew that, that, Oh, no, I know. I I wanted to, you know, go big, and and I can only you can only go so big by trading your own time for money, mm-hmm. and so um, leverage through other people, and um, and plus I had a lot of I had a lot of my employees at the time, my personal training, saying I want to I want to do this too. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well, let's work out a deal, and and let's let's put something together, and and off we went. So I worked with this business coach, and about a year later we. Um, we franchised a uh, personal training studio. Mm. Um, you know, I look back on it, it was probably too early to do it. Why was it too early to do it? It just wasn't, you know, the model wasn't mm. really tight. And, you know, if you, if you franchise as a business model, you franchise, you, you kind of like, here's the Big Mac, don't mess with the Big Mac. <laughs> and no, you're not allowed to put beetroot in it. Yeah. And if you put beetroot in, a, in the Big Mac, I'm going to give you a legal letter. And But, you know, the fun but not so fun part of that kind of a business model mm-hmm. uh, was that you're always kind of up against that sort of, you know, yes, no, yes, no, you're allowed to, no, you're not allowed to. So, um, look, at the end of the day, it worked really well and we grew it up to a chain of 21 studios around Australia and, and, uh, and uh, but it, it got on top of me after, you know, a few years. Was it any particular thing, or was it just a slow build up as you got slow more? Slow build more up, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I lost people contact. Hey, and you know me enough to say, look, I love helping people, and that's why I got into personal training in the first place, mm. not to become a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with all due respect to the lawyers out there who are listening, um, but I, I found myself in you know behind a desk too much, and and it just sucked. And I, uh, yeah, become it was a pretty sad. Uh, I wasn't happy. You know, for about three years, I wasn't I really wasn't happy. When I look back on it, I really wasn't happy at that point in time, and and so everything suffered as a result. And I was just, you know, one of those people, you know, down and out and blaming the world and everyone yeah. else. And so I, uh, yeah, I, I basically from there I started uh, started then searching. All right, what do I do from here? Yeah. You do know, you, got the do opportunity. You, do you remember, was there a particular moment where you decided that you just you, you didn't want to do it anymore and that was it? Or or do you remember that moment you kind of decided that the path you were on, I guess, wasn't... It was kind of like um, there was... Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I did a talk actually just last week and I told the group of entrepreneurs, about 100 entrepreneurs in the room, and they wanted me to share the story. So I'll kind of repeat that. It was a combo meal of a variety of different things. One, I was in a personal development seminar, you know, I think it was NLP training or something like that. We're hugging it out, high five, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, you tell my story and we cry on each other's shoulders mm. and you share your story. So I was doing this and I was telling my story and I was, you know, I was pretty depressed at the time. And uh, I told my partner, her name was Deb, 
and I told her my story. She's going, oh, great. And I said, what about you, Deb? And she said, you know what? I've just had a hysterectomy and now I'm cured. Of, uh, I've got no cancer. Mm. And I went, oh, really? Oh, I feel, what the hell am I? I became instantly grateful in that moment, mm. instantly grateful. A friend of mine at that, at that time, because I've got excellent health, you know, I've never, apart from asthma, I've never really had any dramas. And so I'm like, really? You know, like I need, you know, I always encourage people to be aware of the people around you, the circumstances, situations, the conversations that you're having with people because they could be your signposts. And so she was a massive signpost for me. The other one was uh, one of my friends said uh, he was doing some internet marketing for me at the time and he's like, oh, how's all this stuff you're going through? It's going to make a great, it's going to make a great story from stage one day. Yeah. And and I went, then suddenly the cloud, the, the grey cloud above me got compartmentalised into this little story down here and it helped me really uh, package it all up and put a nice little tight bow around it and and park it over there. He said, oh, it's going to make a great story from stage. You, you know, I mean, I bet you could, you know, talk to any entrepreneur about, about business mm. and you'll just be able to share this knowledge, the, the, all the learnings. And I went, God damn it. That helped me compartmentalise. And that's, that's basic. Compartmentalisation is a great way of uh, dealing with stuff in psychology. So that helped. The third thing was a friend of mine, it's over there somewhere in that bookshelf, but a friend of mine gave me a book by Tal Ben-Shahar called Happier. And in he's, he's a positive psychologist. And Tal Ben-Shahar is, it runs the most popular course at Harvard University. And he, in his book, he's got this MPS process. So what gives you, um, I'll just draw it here. So it's three intersecting circles in a di- in a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. So what gives you meaning? What are you, uh, what gives you pleasure? And what are your strengths? And in the middle is your calling. So I got motivation speaker. <laughs> wow, great. You know? And, uh, and, but I took all these, you know, it happened in around about a three-month kind of period, all, you know, uh, compacting one on top of the other. And, mm. and I went, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll put on a talk. You know, all this that I've learnt, I'll put on a talk and, and just package it all together. A three-hour talk, the Western Bulldogs rooms in Footerscray, invited everyone. Mum and Dad were even there, little champions. are up the back going, what the hell is he doing now? And then I uh, put on a talk and then... At the end of the talk, I started talking about my list to do before I die, the one that I had since I was 18, mm. which a lot of people just didn't know. And um, I said, who else has got one of these talk? you know, one of these lists? And like, no one had one. I said, what do you want to do? It's been my reason for getting up in the morning. And, um, and then the room came alive. It was a pretty shit talk up until that point. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then someone at the end of it, said, oh, has all this list to do before you die stuff? It's like a bucket list. You're like the bucket list guy. <laughs> it was about eight, seven, eight years ago. And that I went, oh, my God, you know, like that's just mm. something in that just, just hit me. And, and then that night I went home and registered thebucketlistguy.com. Mm. So I want to go back and ask two questions because the one thing I found really interesting out of that is mm. we, you, know, you told the story of you, you know, barely scraped through, got a university degree, um, but at the same time, if a real passion for 
personal development and reading and, and improving yourself and that sort of thing. Where did that come of, where did that come from? Was that something you've always had or something I've always had? Like I I was not a good student, but when I when I kind of left uni and when I got into business, I just went into overdrive, you know, leaders are readers and I just read. Mm. I just read and I went to seminars and I, I've spent so much money on personal development. It was just a natural I, I guess a given when I look back on it that I was in those rooms to, to I was learning to teach, mm. and I love teaching, and so, uh, yeah, I, I just I've just always because that that was in my control, and and I guess the the doctrine that the education system gave me, I just it didn't lead me anywhere. I you know coming out of my degree, I, you know I was. Uh, jack of all trades, master yeah. of none. But now I had personal training. Now I had business, and I could just you know the world was my oyster. So I, I just did not, I just didn't stop. And I always thought of you know always you know be. Oh, Jim Rowan's got a quote, and I wish I could quote it right now. Not leaders are readers, but uh, personal development. I don't know. It'll come to me, but <laughs> something really insightful, impactful, yeah. <laughs> and philosophical about uh, be a better you or something like that. I don't know. I'll Google it later. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was um, I had the power in my hands to to learn, but also I guess I had the freedom to a certain extent to be able to implement. You mm. know, it wasn't just theory for me. I would like learn something, then do it. Mm-hmm. Learn something, then do it. So we all have a fair bit of shelf help, as I call it. Um, but I had the freedom in my own business, and because I was the, the effectively the boss, I could actually learn something that weekend, mm-hmm. you know. And then and then bang. And I always invested invested heavily in myself, mm-hmm. you know, because I think I don't know. I heard somewhere, and I'm I'm just I'm seriously just a product of everything I've learned. Um, someone said, you know, the most important real estate in the world is the one, the seven inches between your ears. Mm. I'm like, that just, yeah, I can just invest in that all day, every day. And I st- still do to this day. You know, some of the stuff I've learnt have, uh, has been right out there, really out there. Um, I've got myself and a couple of friends that have done some really out there personal development stuff that would challenge most people. Um, and we've done the foundational stuff as well. Do you have an example of what the out, out, out oh, that stuff would be? Depends if you regard, let's say, uh, we've done an ayahuasca ceremony mm-hmm. and that just taps into all sorts of um, parts of you, let's mm-hmm. just say. And some would argue that personal development is, is pretty much the same mm-hmm. uh, to get you more conscious about who you are and what you're doing and what your path is meant to be. Um, that was a full-on, you know, experience. Let's just call it an experience. And I think, <laughs> I think it, it, uh, and I've partied and all that sort of thing, but I, I got a lot out of that, mm. a lot of, out of that. And I also did it in a um, unicorn onesie. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> the ceremony. Yeah. The ceremony, I do, yeah, unicorn onesie, and uh, just as you do, mm-hmm. uh, and we. Uh, but then again, you know, like, and I've been to a seminar where the guy at the front of the room 
just sat there and looked at everyone. He didn't actually talk for nearly the whole seminar. Wow. And, and it was all about intuition or something. I hmm. forget his name, but it freaked me out. And so he sat there just like staring at everyone and everyone's going, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm sitting in the back going, sister, yeah. like, fuck, can I get my ticket? Yeah. Can I get my money back? What am I missing? What am I doing? I'm on Facebook tagging me, you know, uh, going, hang on. And it, like he had these, it was the closest thing I think I've seen to a full-on cult, you know, like <laughs> like he came out in the chair and he just sat in his chair with his weird lights and just sat there just like seriously just looking at people and people were just going, yeah. Yeah, and me and my mate, like one of my mates was right into it and my other mate was sort of halfway, yes, no, yes, no, and I was just like, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I was that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty open. And uh, I said, oh, guys, I'm leaving. This guy's, a, you know, just a sh- shark, you know. Mm-hmm. Like what, he, what he's doing here is, is, I don't think it's real flash. So, But anyway, we, uh, you know, you've got you to have a look at what, what people are up to and, and how people are helping people and and look for for better or worse he was helping a you know handful of people in that you know that mm. night so um, who am I to judge? Absolutely, got my own filters. Yeah, I'm really curious as well too. I mean, personal development I think is something that it it's 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 incredibly powerful. I think um, it is for for things that need to be said. But I suppose one of the things that I always think about as well too, and I struggle with a bit is. Do I seek out resources because I have a particular problem and I need to solve it? Or should I seek out resources because maybe I don't know what the problem is, but because I don't understand, I don't have the tools to be able to actually have an effective lens to evaluate my life. So when you were going and seeking this stuff out, were you again trying to solve a particular challenge or have a, answer a question you had in your life? I think it's both. Both? Yeah, I think it's both. You just go on there with an open, like, I'm going to learn something and the thing that I'll learn will, will arrive. Mm. You know, I've been in seminars where, you know, all sorts of different things going on. And I give seminars. You know, I, I used to give, you know, I used to do this uh, training called uh, the Bucket List Experience. And I have a bunch of people and it's three and a half days with me. Uh, and or, or, or I even my keynotes these days might even go for an hour. And I've, the thing with personal development, you pretty much as a, as a, uh, I say I was a seminar junkie, but now I'm a dealer. <laughs> so it's a shit joke. Um, but you, you're really you, you're just putting you're throwing stuff out there, mm-hmm. you know. Because as a coach, I, it would be arrogant for me to assume that I know what exactly what you need. Mm. My job is just to go. What about this? Here's a little smorgasbord of different things, different tools that you can use in your own life. Um, take what you need. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's where the, the guru thing really puts a bad mark on personal development, the self-help yeah. industry, because gurus will say, it's my doctrine. Mm-hmm. Oh, kind of religious, isn't it? Don't yeah. get me going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the guru thing, you know, this is the way. This is the, ho- this is the way it's got to be yeah. and you will say this and you will do this and you will... You'll wear the cape and you'll the the goat and, and no it's it's that's bad you know everyone even coming to my my thing and seeing me speak I'm like take what you need mm. but go go invest invest somewhere else and and get what you need from that guy mm. or that girl over there or that book or that podcast or whatever 
take what you need and then come up with your own way of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot healthier than just buying into someone's doctrine. Yeah. Know, that's a very religious kind of approach. Um, and so what was the question? Just around how you went about sort of solving or if it was a particular question you were sort of looking to answer yeah, or if you were going yeah. into it with sort of that open like... I always invest, I've always, yeah, I always invest, <clears throat> at, um, you know, I, I've always invested. I've always had, you know, in my in my budgets, I've always had personal development as a line item mm. that I will try and spend every year or mm -hmm. at least, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, Invest somewhere. Yeah, you know, like I'll if I haven't done a seminar for a while, I'll go and do one. Mm -hmm. You know, random, uh, maybe in an area that that I think needs you know needs some top up, um, and you know, and never ever ever think I know it all. That's probably the key. One of the biggest differences to me, I will never stop learning, and I love learning. I'm so curious mm -hmm. to find out more about myself mm -hmm. because. I I also now have the platform to learn to teach. So I learn and then go, how can I apply this? Can I oh now I'll throw that bit out, but I'll learn this and then off you go. And I, I think that's uh, I think that's a really good way. You know, Dr. Demartini will say, you know, learn you know, learn to teach, you know, mm -hmm. learn to pay it forward because you it's an accelerated learning technique. So if I if I read a book, there'll be an intention There'll be an intention for going to the training or reading the book or learning the podcast. There'll be an intention, an outcome that I want to achieve. I don't know how, how mm -hmm. it's going to add, but there is, you know, uh, somewhere I can apply um, the learnings. And I think that's really important rather than not be applied and they get forgotten about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The other thing as well too, obviously, we'll talk about the bucket list here in a, in a few right. moments, but you, you mentioned that it's something you've had for a long time. And you were surprised when you when you spoke at that uh, your, your first seminar thing that mm. people didn't. So where did you pick up that habit of putting together a bucket list? Tony Robbins. Uh, it was a life list or something like that. Yeah. It was in a book. I believe it was out of Robbins or someone, maybe Jim Rowan or maybe even I don't, I don't know. But it, it, I just started writing, you know, all the shit that I want to do before I die. And it wasn't called a bucket list. This is before the the movie even came out. Mm. And I just thought, well, um, you know, my business, I'm not, I've always had this, you know, uh, I guess um, maybe distorted, well, distorted view about business. Business, bu business is a purely a vehicle, you know, just like a property here, like just like a property or a share portfolio, it spits out, spits out um, cash flow, hopefully, and, and a business should spit out time flow. But it's what you do with that cash and what you do with that time, mm. that, that's, that's where it gets interesting. But a lot yeah. of people can't answer that because a lot of people think, oh, just, I'm here to you know, just pay bills and die. Yeah. It's like, no. Like, like why, why wouldn't you set up your business as fast as possible, make decisions quicker, mm. fail forward faster, make some mistakes but just hurry up um, to get the job done so it produces the cash flow and the time flow for you to do the shit that you want to do. As a business is purely a vehicle, just like property and you know rent and this sort of thing, and shares and dividends. You know, it's all designed to give us cash flow. But what do you do with that? Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, and, and for a lot of people, they can't actually answer it other than I don't know, um, pay off the house, put the kids through school, do a bit of travel when I'm like seventy. Yeah. 
Like, really? Yeah. That's that's it. That's why you're here on earth. I just did not get it. Mm. Absolutely. So it, it um, that's where I get it from. Yeah, and then obviously going it's through the seminar and sort of kind of then obviously coming to that realization, like you said, that you sort of stumbled, not stumbled upon something, you've been doing something that maybe you thought other people were doing as a part of that or, or no, well, kind of answered the question. For I kind of like, um, I saw I saw some of these big personal development speakers and I, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these guys are getting, you know, they're, they're getting older. Um, they trade off their own name, and they've been going pre-internet. Mm. And, but they've got so much of a solid foundation of and, and works out there, books and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, that um, trade. I knew in the in the marketplace of personal development that trading off your own brand, just off your own name, mm. is going to be a little bit harder. So. That's where I attached, you know, I go around as the bucket list guy, like mm. Trav Bell, the bucket list guy. Yeah. I can enter rooms now and they go, hey, bucket list guy. I'm like, hey, I have a name. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll stop being offended. But um, but it, it helps you, and this is going to sound really wanky, but it helps you become a, you know, to go from non-celebrity to celebrity mm. because you've attached something to it. Yeah. You know, but up until being, you know, Coming up with the, the bucket list guy, and then and then you know really engineering that whole, I guess life around it, uh, philosophy if you like. And uh, I was just Trav Bell, Aussie battler, trying to do his best, mm-hmm. um, hoping to one may maybe break it through and and be noticed. Mm-hmm. And it may, yeah, and I could have because I'm pretty determined. Um, but attaching the bucket list guy gave me a. Um, you know, a sense of ownership over over a certain niche, mm. and I I mentor speakers now. Like that's one of the things that I've been doing for the last two and a half years, and I love it. Um, it's about helping people, you know, find find their message, create their identity, get them out of their own way, mm. extract some intellectual property for them to then go and you know speak on stages, author books, do whatever. And I say to those guys, you got to pick a highway and then pick a lane and own that lane. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a motivation speaker, which I just hate, um, or inspirations, you know, I'm up against, you know, old mate who's got five Olympic gold medals. Yeah. If I want to, you know, spot on, at this conference or or old mate who's climbed Everest with, yeah. with bloody one arm, one leg and, and did it with no oxygen or something and whatever, I'm being facetious, but... Um, that's a really crowded highway, uh, and then to to be you know be known in you know for for just bucket list. I, what I've had to do, you know, I could have as a motivation speaker, I could have talked about you know any one of my stories, mm. you know. But in comparison, I thought, oh well, I'm I'm all right, you know, got all my limbs, and and I've had a bit of rough upbringing with asthma. That's about it. Mm. Great family. I didn't <laughs> yeah. live on the streets. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I wasn't bashed or anything, you yeah. know. So, damn, I haven't got a, you know, full-on rags to riches story either. And, you know, I could have talked about fear. I could have talked about just happiness. I could have talked about gratitude. But I chose bucket list because it just felt me. Mm. And no one else was doing it. And I, I know of other people that talk about bucket lists and there's a heap of people that do, but no one really owned it. So there's a reason why I've gone with um, the bucket list guy. 
and there can only be one. Mm-hmm. And because, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the way. Rather than just even bucket this guy or you know bucket list enterprises or something mm-hmm. like that, it's like no one can take away the bucket list guy. And it sounds really, um, I don't know, uh, like cheesy in a way, but I know marketing enough to know that if I, and at that time was like, all right, well, um, if I'm going to be the back of this guy, well, like, you know, what my choices were, and I put on the business hat here is, I can just I can run around the world trying to sue everyone who uses the word bucket list or just out market everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so really and because of the power of social media we can. We can. Any everyone can. So the biggest struggle with all that has just been keeping the you know the serial entrepreneur at bay and just keeping the blinkers on on the word bucket list and just owning that. So if the word bucket list pops up in a a thing on Facebook or something, I'll be tagged like 30, 40 times from people going, oh, do you know about this guy, Trey? Or do you know, look at this great story? And, and before you know it, that, that all becomes part of the, uh, I guess, the ecosystem that after seven years I've created. Mm. Um, so that's a bit of an insider look at the whole branding thing. But up until that point, because I knew that I'd get lost in the crowd just by, by being Trav Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, the big uh, cathartic part of this journey has been the fact that I am I'm no different, well, I'm no different on, on a stage versus maybe off it. Some might argue I am, but I'm an idiot on the stage, I'm an idiot <laughs> off the stage and what I, I do, all my own stunts and I, I, I just speak from my heart and there's, I I. I kind of um, I am it, and and it just feels so. I feel so congruent mm. with the the brand, the message, if you like. Not that is me. Well, I'm really curious about this as well too, because this has been a bit of a reoccurring theme and a bit of the podcast. Because right. as you and maybe I'm projecting a bit on this, but as you sort of went out to that, you probably looked at other people, said you knew a bit of marketing, looked at that, and said, okay, I see these other people on their path to success. So mm. if if I'm you know, Chad Bell, the bucket list guy, and this is my sort of onstage persona, and I can sort of, I can, you, I fit that persona to sort of suit the message I want to do versus sort of that that authenticity. I suppose, where, why did you stick to that level of authenticity and that that level of just just Chad Bell, just on on or off the stage, being that kind of guy? Um, because I believe in you know, was it choose a career that you love and you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. There's another. I think probably a tattoo somewhere. Um, but at the end of the, I, I, I just, I wanted, I wanted to, um, <laughs> I wanted to just live my values. Like I, my, my values are, you know, um, health is number one, helping others number two, uh, um, you know, freedom. Yeah, this was a way for me to be a digital nomad. To, to live, you know, because I've had bricks and mortar businesses, had mm. a bunch of them, commercial leases, big, you know, around the neck sort of commercial leases, now to being fully online. And that whole online world uh, was just sort of starting, you know, and I read Tim Ferriss's book a little bit too many times, you know, too many <laughs> times. And, uh, and I just, that whole world fascinated me. And yeah. I'm like, all right, well, how one day, imagine being able to run my whole business off my iPhone, mm-hmm. which is what I do now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. It was just a challenge. Mm. And 
I'm nearly paperless, not quite paperless, but I'm nearly paperless and I'm a bit of a minimalist. I don't want for much and and I just thought that's a that's a pretty cool existence. And for me to live my values is a very, very important part because living your values, monetizing your values, mm. I think is the holy grail. You know, if you can go out there and speak from your heart and get paid to be you, that's the holy grail. If you're helping others in the process, I think it's unreal. Mm. There's a lot of people, because I know from personal training, doing two million personal training sessions, hundreds of thousands of clients across over the years, tens of thousands of clients, sorry, across the years, all around Australia, and, and just seeing a lot of people in audiences now, you know, people who aren't living congruent to who they really want to be mm. is really upsetting. And, and you know, you've got to look at our um, the rate of depression, you know, the rate of overprescription of antidepressants. You know, there's a lot of unhappy, disengaged people out there and I certainly don't want to be one of them. In fact, I want to do something about that and that's one of my biggest drivers, mm. having been through that depression you know, uh, cycle, uh, I can see it. I can see it. And I speak to some people, you know, people all around the world and I see too much of it. And I'd like to have a hand in being able to wake people up and Mm. and have people just be happier. Mm. Mm. So going back to, so you do the seminar you have that light bulb, semi-light light bulb moment, I guess you can, of the bucket list guy, obviously. It sounds Mm. like by, by you trademarking or, or getting the url that night you had a bit of that marketing sense already sort of sort of yeah. leveraging to that so all of a sudden you have say a, a powerpoint presentation ready to go um what do you do after that where does where does one go Man, after i had no idea what the hell i was doing because <laughs> i i i went oh bucket list guy who the hell's going to pay someone to write a freaking list you know like, like that was honestly my thought for ages and i thought who's going to pay someone to uh, write a bucket list, why they need my help. Mm. Um, and at that time, there was a, a the expert industry, the thought leadership industry was kind of coming to the fore and, and there's a lot of people around that time kind of it's doing like 2011, what... 2011, I, I think, Yeah, kind of having, you know, ideas and how can I monetize my passion. That mm. was the kind of the catch cry. It's still going today and there's a bunch of different people out there that will help you monetize your passion and work out your values and then monetize your values and... That's cool. And I, I did a bunch of those courses and, and then just dug dug deep. And, and I, I went all the stuff that I learned, I initially just said, all right, well, I'm going to put on a seminar and I'm just going to chunk in everything that I knew and called it something cheesy. And then uh, off we went and I had a yeah. bunch of people uh, come along, pay money, and uh, that's how the journey started. And some, some people, I'd speak to some audiences and they go, oh, you know what, um, I'd like you to be my coach. Yeah. So now I'm a coach. <laughs> um, I'd like you to come and talk at my company. All right, now I'm a keynote speaker. Mm. And so that's probably been the biggest. Uh, I, I've kind of it's kind of organically just grown from there, and and then just molding the message to suit the environment. And you know, like for the corporate space, that took me probably the longest. I was like, how does the a bucket list message mm. affect a company? Right, so bottom line, like they're not going to. Because one of the things that I don't want to do is go in there and get everyone eight foot and bulletproof, and then go, oh, who, I don't know, who, who was that speaker again? Yeah, 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and the last thing I want to do is have people go to a rah-rah seminar yeah. and, and then be forgotten about. You know, like that's not why I'm here. I want to make a, a, as big of an impact as I possibly can and not just be a show. Mm. So, you know, and then I, I thought long and hard about it and talked to a bunch of different people and, and I come up with the idea of, well, a bucket list is a tangible life plan where our career plan or our business plan should fit into our life plan, not be the other way around. And is this something you've just developed, just yeah, sitting just an and idea, just kind of yeah. just sort of percolating up kind of thing? No, that's, that's just my thoughts. And, mm. um, and, you know, like if you're engaged in your life plan, you're going to be engaged in your business plan and your career plan. And it has, definitely has a waterfall effect. And I've actually seen it. And I've tried and tested it in different companies and um, associations that I've spoken to. And it's just have... It's provided a, a way for people to really work enthusiastically and, mm. and to seek opportunities within their companies and to go after, you know, the things that bring them more cash flow and time flow mm. um, within that company. And I've got companies that have gone and done bucket list boards and done bucket list things together, and um, then they've gone and done family bucket list and reverse bucket list, and uh, you know, just used. And you know, I get. Every day, guaranteed, I'll get sent videos or photos from people all around the world, no joke, that, that go, hey, Trav, I've, you know, look at me, I'm doing this. And, like, um, absolutely make, you know, and these are people from all walks of life as well. Um, and so it's really touching to, to see that you're having an impact. And when, when you get a few of these you know, stories coming through, you just go, oh, God, why wouldn't I do this bigger and bigger mm. and bigger? And and sort of that, the thought leadership around, and when I say thought leadership is, is you know, just getting more and more curious about my own topic. Mm. And that's really what I've done. So you're exploring your topic deeper more and deeper and, more and, and trying more to understand and what that actually means and yeah, how so, that can apply outwards. So some, and this, again, it might be overzealous, but at, at the start it was let's just help people create a bucket list. But now I see it as a life philosophy. Mm. And that might be me thinking a little bit too ahead of myself, but I can argue that all day, every day, about how it's helped people really see their life in a completely different way. Mm. And I'd imagine though too, and correct me if I'm wrong, so we talk about 20, 2011, 2012, I think it started 2012, I think it was, remember? Mm. You sort of start this this bucket list, the mm. bucket list guy kind of journey. and. Yeah. The, this way you've just described was that was that over a couple of years and it's sort of solidified after a certain point or is that still something you're very much sitting with and on today at this moment oh no no it's it's all uh it's still developing you know like the, the cool thing is is the intellectual property that i create i've now got a like i'm putting it out there i'm trying one of the things that you won't see from me that i'm actually going out there and doing my bucket list also so i'm very I live what I say. Mm. I, I do all my own stunts. As I said before, I'm, I've signed up to, to cycle the last week of the Tour de France, literally in two weeks, um, possibly the dumbest thing I've ever signed up for. And if, you know, like I do, I've got an upper body here, mm. you know, and I've got <laughs> shoulders and I've got some bulk, yeah. not good up hills. Yeah, not really built for the cycling. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> go for the Lance Armstrong look. Can sprint. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. But, uh, you know, like, I love it and I love a challenge and uh, the cool thing about what I do now is 
I'm getting more and more curious into my own IP and I can try and test a lot of things on audiences. So when I go and speak, I've got new stories all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, literally, you know, I wasn't, like last year, I wasn't telling my TEDx story because I didn't do TEDx. Mm. I wasn't a CSP, so I don't tell that story. And, and, and so it keeps it fresh all the time, which is great. And, and I delve into that thought leadership uh, even more, the philosophy of it all a lot more mm. and come up with different ways to describe it and different ways to tell the stories and, um, and trying to just tweak, I guess, the take-home and the impact of it mm. to try and get into the, the brains and most importantly the hearts of people mm. for them to be impacted to then go and do some amazing things in their lives because let's be honest, a, a speaker, you know, I might get an hour with them. Like, really, am I going to change their life in an hour? Yeah. Who do you think, you know, but I'm going to give it a crack, you know, and try and disrupt their current and mm. uh, uh, their current maybe belief patterns. And so for me, I, I, I've now, you know, gone into, into business with arguably the world's number one business coach uh, and, you know, he's uh, founded and franchised a huge chain of, of sorry, of business coaches around the world, and so he's recognised what what I'm sitting on, what I've what I've been doing all these years, mm-hmm. and now we're licensing uh, a package of my intellectual property out there in the world to actually certify licensed bucket list coaches around the world to teach my programs. So he's he's given me a complete creative you know creative go ahead to. Go and uh, go and create this stuff, which is what I love doing. I love speaking and I love creating. Mm. I'm really curious as well too, because I think the one thing I love about this story and that bit there too, I think it breaks a lot of a lot of the bullshit ideology that we talk about um, that people believe before they start out. And what I mean by that is, I've spoken to a few people even recently that they said, "Look, I, I can't get started yet. I, I don't know what it looks like. I don't. I need to put all this stuff together." No. And no. really trying to flip it around and say, "Well, okay, you know the problem, or you don't understand what you want to try to do. Maybe you just need to start to go do it, and then kind of even we talk about now, even at the level you're at, and mm. speaking of the TEDx mm. stage, you're still going through an evolution of what that looks like. But mm. I suppose my question for you though is. Having gone through that uh, that test tweak, refine. I think there's a there's a proper three words if I can get all techy. But anyway, mm. that nonetheless, you mm. try something out, get some feedback, and then reiterate it. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever screwed up through that process? Have you ever done something? And oh gone, mate, oh that was uh, not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I put out a bunch of things and and just you know I've sold I've. I've you know, do sales from stage, and I'm hopeless at, at that. <laughs> Admittedly, you What's know, sales I'm, from stage. I mean, like, oh, come doing? come to this seminar. You know, oh, come yeah. come and do this program that I've just created, and uh, come hang out with me for a bit longer and a little bit more money. And and look, as wrong as that might sound, um, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to fall on your face, and you know, I, I'd go out there and I go, hey, you know, come and do this program, and and then everyone in the audience would go, no, be <laughs> like, hey, it's really cool. And uh, no one would buy it, mm. you know, and then you just got to go, all right, now I'm embarrassed. Um, so what do I do? Just persist or or not, you know, mm. like, and we've got to always create different things, you know, create, as a speaker, create different experiences for people to hang out with you and, um, 
you know, it, it is a constant evolution of just trying, testing and measuring, testing, you know, test and measure, test and measure, test and measure. That's what business has taught me. Mm. And it doesn't have to be all complete before you go out there and effectively sell it, you know, even selling the idea, like if you're going to shark tank something, you don't have to. You, you don't have to have the prototype fully done. Mm. You got to get some runs on the board. You got to go out there and sell it. Um, and uh, and I, I don't think people trust themselves enough. I always say, be a progressionist, not a perfectionist. Always keep moving. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If I'm going to follow you, do do what you do, invest in you. I'm investing in you first, as my investors have done with me. Mm. They know that I can take a take a punch and just keep getting up. Um, they they know that I'm not going to rest until I get what I want. Mm. They know that um, that if something doesn't work, I'll adapt really quick and then just keep ch- I won't beat myself up about it and I can I can change on a dime. My question to the audience is, are they the type of person worth investing in? Because you know, that's what people are doing yeah. day in, day out. If people have got an idea, well, I'm buying into your enthusiasm and your vision mm. and how much, um, I was going to use one word, but I, how, how much determination you've got in you. <laughs> um, because I'll back that any day of the week. You know, I'll go into business with that any day of the week. Unfortunately, a lot of people haven't got it. Mm. I suppose on that though too, do you think there's things that people can do to try to inoculate themselves or train themselves to, to, to sort of build that resilience and build that if they get punched in the face or if their if they're, thing they're trying to sell or the, the beginning fails that they don't just stop? Things people can do to try to build that? Um, no. I, I think the only way to build it is to build it and then go build something or build it out an idea or go write the book, whatever it might mm. be, go put the but go and go and do something. So just a like, matter of just doing it, not worrying the world, about it, just the world into it. the world pays us for action, not thought, mm-hmm. not theory. So we get paid based on action, based on results, based on having an actual go, not being uh, a guy full of ideas and hopes and dreams but no balls. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean? So, so that's that's what I that's what I'd like to see everyone do a lot more of is go out and just fall on their own sword, invest their own money, you know, spend some credit card, do whatever you got to do. But like life's too short to be sitting there wondering, you know, and I live and live with regrets mm. of not having a go. You know, there's one thing that I, that. That I hear time and time again in my seminars is, Trav, you've given me permission to, to go for it because life is way too short mm. not to. So would you like to look, look back on your life 10 years, 20 years from now and go, oh, God, I really should have really should have done that. Mm-hmm. I really should have tried it. It's been this idea. Maybe it's an invention. Why didn't I go out and, and do it? Mm. Imagine sitting on your rocking chair going, not that anyone does that anymore, <laughs> lazy boy. <laughs> lazy boy, yeah. Uh, watching big screen TV. Um, sounds pretty good. <laughs> um, but looking back on your life and going, oh, you know, when I was younger and hungrier and, and full of these big ideas, but I let society, my parents, my, my spouse, my kid, you know, I don't know, why, why didn't I do that? Mm. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. So... As cliche as it sounds, people have got to have a crack while they can. Mm. 
in whatever idea and, and or whatever business or go after um, go after the stretch goal and it could be in a relationship you know go after the dream chick or dream <laughs> guy or whatever and just like have a go what's the worst that's going to happen I think if I interject there, I think what you just said and what's the worst that can happen is is so powerful because I think that if even in my own life, maybe I'm just speaking from my own experience that mm. I've sometimes I think I've uh, I've talked a bit about this is that my my biggest failure in life is probably not not trying. It's yeah. not failing. My biggest failure is not failing because I haven't tried anything. Right. But really trying to reprogram around and Tim Ferriss, who I, I know you've, you've you've met, incredibly jealous of because got a great shot. Not together. just men, she had had lunch with him. There you go. Even very <laughs> jealous, but. One of the things he talks about is, again, if you're going to do something, then looking at how can you actually mitigate that particular instance. So really looking at the fact of what what is the worst that can happen, right? What what it actually is. And then from there, trying to actually formulate, okay, well, what can I do to deal with that? And then even if I don't achieve what I want to achieve, that, that stretch goal... What, what what's in between? You know, I want to make a billion dollars. I make half a million dollars, or I make you know a million or two million, or I don't get the the big huge world trip. I just get a couple months overseas. But what is the worst that can happen? I think is an incredible thought exercise. Totally, and and yeah, when people look at you know, the thing is, mate, we're as society we're programmed. We're, look, we've even got a reptilian brain that's designed to keep us safe. Mm. You know, it's designed to. Uh, have us not, you know, be fearful. It's designed to keep us safe. So we we continue as mammals and we reproduce, Mm -hmm. right? So standing out in public, straying from the herd, um, doing your own thing, going out from business when the whole rest of society says, have a job, have a job. Mum and dad say, no, don't, don't, you know, don't do that because it's scary and they unload all their baggage on you. (laughs) And, And it's like, all right, cool. Well, you can do it in the face of all that and just say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm. Um, you know, Susan Jeffrey's book over there, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Mm. You don't have to read the book. Just read the front cover. <laughs> um, but that's that's where the magic happens is being um, – and now it sounds like a real T-shirt, slogan, bloody tattoo, but you, you've got to – if it's a – if it's an itch, you need to, you need to scratch it. Mm. It's in hu- human – curiosity we need to scratch these itches that we've got if it's an idea that won't go away hurry up mm. get it get it done yeah you know what's the worst what what is honestly the like if you actually did a pros and cons yeah. what is the worst that's going to happen here well i try it and i go back to my job or i i i get rejected by you know the the girl and i'm uh, you know wanting wanting to be with says no okay cool yeah that most people are embarrassed, yeah. you know. Most people because it's all internal, isn't it? You you suffer from the embarrassment that's internal, but it's internal. Probably nobody else around yeah. you has just witnessed that experience. No, so it's just you. Totally, they're totally internal, and and it's always, you know, I see a lot of people uh, going, "Shit, it wasn't that bad." Yeah, you know, like why didn't I do that earlier? Like, yeah. So you, uh, so you're doing this bucket list thing, obviously. Uh, I know you talked a bit about the licensing, but you've you've gone on an incredible journey of this, and and you're still on this incredible journey of the bucket list guy. I, I suppose for yourself, as you look forward and as we've learned about, what is what is the next step for for yourself? Um, well, we when I go back from France, you know, we go to market, uh, and we've got a heap of heap of people that want in, and and also countries. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we'll, 
will start officially um, selling licenses to for people to be a bucket list coach. Mm. Um, and it's a white label thing. So if they're a coach, if, even if they're a life coach, a business coach, a teacher, community leader, you know, like someone that just has done a heap of stuff in their bucket list and want to help other people, they can become a coach. And why so, did you go down that particular route of, of licensing? Duplication. You know, like I've had so many people... Uh, not not rip me off because that's that's not a way a nice way of putting it, but you know like use my stuff mm. and because uh, they've seen me and they've gone and helped their family, gone and helped their friends. It's like, well, you know what, you can you can kind of be paid for that if you want. Mm. Like, how does that sound? It could be a really good plan B for a lot of people. If they've only got one plan, a plan A and no plan B, it could be a good at home business for them. So, um, and there is a lot of people that have not got a bucket list <laughs> who um, through this program I call the bucket list life plan and we've got bucket list boards and all this sort of stuff, you know, like vision boarding stuff and uh, a heap of different programs, stuff for teenagers as well. Um, I become, like if anyone wants to be a bucket list coach, I become their coach mm-hmm. to help them do it. And I've, I've been filming, as I showed you some pretty cheesy stuff before, I've been filming all the content for all these programs, dumping it onto an online learning platform for people to just plug and play mm. and then they can teach my stuff and then have an effect um, in their local community, in their local town and uh, and go for it and really help some people, mm. you know. So what and be a and be a you know personal development expert. Mm. I suppose further down the line, I suppose as you sort of look into the crystal ball that is that that is the that is your life. How do you how do you kind of think that you're going to take this beyond the licensing carry forward? Is or is there maybe something else that you see in the future for yourself? Um, that's a good question. I'm going to continue to get uh, my bucket list is getting. Uh, weirder and weirder, but it's also involved. <laughs> it's given me full license to just be my weird self. It's great, um, but helping our, our, you know, like our our mission and vision, right? And this is going to probably freak a lot of people out. It certainly freaked me out when we wrote it. Our vision for um, the bucket list coaching is to create a purposely happy world. Like when we when we sat down in, in Vegas, my uh, business partners, we sat down and, and we coined that. We both we all just went, mm. shit, that's heavy. That's big. A purposely happy world, rather than ha- have happiness happen by default, we want to help people, you know, uh, to direct their lives towards more happiness and live in a. Um, Rather than a I'll be happy when syndrome or delayed gratification, like help people be happy now and have an impact on depression. Whoa. So, and then my business partner said, all right, now we're going to create a mission, a vision, a mission. (laughs) And they said, well, what do you want to achieve, Trav? And I said, oh, I'd love to have one million people. And I said, really? Get out of here. Let's Let's add a zero. I went, whoa. So our mission now is to help 10 million people have purposely happy lives. Mm. Um, 10 million bucket listers have, t- have purposely happy lives. That's the shit that I get up for now. So I'll get that done first and then I'll look at the next thing. <laughs> but I, I'd like to go into more philosophy and, um, you know, 
my my leg apart from that my legacy i guess is to um just get a lot more creative with thought and maybe punch out another few ted talks about other ideas that i've got mm. um right you know get i haven't really started on the whole books thing and and just get into some real you know deep deep books and and um not just to punch out books either but have it, have it as a uh, a really <clears throat> some solid solid containers of thought, thought leadership because mm-hmm. i guess this journey of help, of of people um, giving you a lot of positive reinforcement uh, not just the claps but then coming back and actually saying look look you've changed my life mm. like oh, i have amazing amazing feedback every single day and I'm not, you know, I'm not just saying, oh, look how good I am. It's not for that. But there's people who've changed their families' lives because of what I've said. And I'm like, really? I said, yeah, yeah. Here's the proof. And and so why wouldn't I want to like do that in a major, in a major way? Why wouldn't I? And why wouldn't I run even deeper with it to have even more of a lasting impact and to start thinking about what kind of legacy do I want to create after I'm gone? Mm. Curious as well too, um, before we go into this last section of the rapid fire questions, um, I think you're probably a, uh, particularly qualified to answer this, but I think one of the challenges that I see is obviously trying to, I always you know, encourage people to do personal development, like we talked about earlier, but I suppose from your perspective, um, how do people... How do people carry this stuff into their everyday life? We, we spoke about you can go to a seminar, you can hear somebody speak, you can you can get a book, you, you can get you can put that down. And I know I've been very guilty of this too. You put down a book and go, wow, that was that was amazing, that was fantastic. I'm so excited. You get the Google Doc, you write some stuff down, but then it just sort of never really goes anywhere. I suppose what are you, what are your observations about how somebody can really drive that meaningful change from that resource? Go help go help some people. Hmm? Simple. Go and help some people with it. Um, so people that have people, you know, people in their, like if you've got some, uh, yeah, some thoughts or some theories or whatever, go and test it. Mm. Like if that's the question, go out and help some people. That's, that's where it, you know, do it for free and then you can start, start charging for it when you get too busy. Mm. Simple. Cool. Go change lives. If it's that good, go change lives. Like go and get, go and ask 10 friends to be a guinea pig. Simple. Love it. Yeah. I was at, I was actually recently at an event um, uh, with a lady, I won't name her, so I won't try to get her on the podcast, but uh, she she talked about um, they're, uh, they're an innovation consultancy. And one of the things that they encourage people to do is to, is to actually you know, do it, but to do it in a really scaled way. So she talked about they had a, they had a particular project they wanted to run and all they did was they got a website, um, took about $150 to get URL, put, put the concept of the website together, and then basically pushed it out to their social media and their following, which in today's day and age of social media, it's easy mm. to do. You can easily get an audience of you know a couple hundred people kind of thing and said, okay, this yeah. is what we want to do. Yep. And then they had a thing, sign up for it. So they had a whole bunch of people sign up, and then they went, okay, we, we're actually onto something here. This now we'll develop here. it. Now we'll develop it. So they went off and they developed it. They went back to this audience and said, okay, cool. Um, this is how much it's going to cost. And then a certain number of people opted in. And they went, great, wow, now we've got it. And then the second the second year they did that, they said, okay. Then they went back to the people who they delivered the programs through too and said, 
Now, now, what could we have done to make it better? And she said it was phenomenal that we didn't have to try to think about what it needed to be. We had our own thoughts. Mm. But being able to actually go back and like Rohi Bhagava and I spoke about just add value to people's lives. But you need to actually test a theory in a meaningful way. And the whole experiment took, you know, $300 or whatever by the time I was all up in a bit of time. Well, that's how apps are getting done. You know, like they'll go out, they'll go go to market with it. Certainly done, and then they'll get the reviews and and they'll get, you know, the the fixes and the bugs and all that from the people. Yeah. Um. You look at and this reverse engineering of product. You know, Apple cars. They've they've done it. You know, <laughs> Apple the the company Apple and car companies have been doing it for years. They come out with prototypes. Yeah. Um. We've been doing it with property for years as well. Off the plan properties. The mm-hmm. property's not even built, but I've just bought a home. Yeah. I've just bought air. I've bought an idea. An idea, yeah. You know, like why can't we do that in our businesses? Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the concept. And see, you know, here's the concept. Here's how it's going to start and finish. And, and here's the outcomes of this. And is it all built? No. You know, I started my mentoring program exactly the same. I knew I was going to do it in the first couple. Mm-hmm. And then I, I knew I had it in my head. And I, there's a rough outline and things like that. And I fleshed it out as we went along. And... Um, and and here we are. You know, it's one of my most popular programs. So, uh, yeah, and I think that's the progr- that's the profession perfectionist, mm-hmm. and and I dare say it's uh, when when I see perfectionism, I just see people who are scared. Mm. So, and and. Yeah, you've got to go out there and get enthusiastic about it and you've got to go out there and sell it to people. Mm-hmm. You know, if no money's changed hands, it's not a business. It's yeah. you know, it, it, There's no value to it. And when when people pay, they pay attention. When people pay more, they pay more attention. Simple. Mm-hmm. So charge what you're worth. Yeah. Fantastic. And on that, we're going to transition to our rapid-fire questions. Are you ready to go? Yep. Excellent. So this first question is, is what book has most changed your life? And I'd love if you could place this as to where you read it and what context did it change everything? Well, I think I've given that, like, the, the t- Happier by Tal Ben-Shahar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually called Happier and a friend of mine gave me that book basically saying, you look, you miserable prick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you around you, cheer up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Stop dumping on us. Yeah. Read the book Happier. I think there's something in it for you. Um, but also, you know, the four-hour work week was uh, absolutely fantastic. You know, it came at the right time, probably for a lot of people, and uh, just how Tim, having, uh, you know, met and, and had lunch with <laughs> and sat next to him, you know. Yeah. No, uh, you know, that, that gave me a, a, a view on, um, you know, li- living the digital nomad life. And uh, But I'll also say... Um, the book I've got it over there um, by Brad Sugars, who's now my business partner. He's done sixteen books. Um, his his book Billionaire in Training is an amazing book. Mm-hmm. Billionaire in Training by Brad Sugars is amazing. He just come out with another one called The Wealth Coach. Um, super switched on to be in business with him is is a bit of a dream come true. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, there's a whole bunch of different you know all Branson's ones. I love hearing I love hearing those. Um, but it, it just depends. So it depends on, you know, the mood. Um, yeah, it's heaps. Fantastic. Um, who's been the greatest influence in your life growing up? And it could be somebody you didn't know or some other prominent figure. Uh, probably my swimming coach, Alex Urquhart, RIP. Um, here's why I got this tattoo. If it is to be, it is up to me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he had us do, I, I swam at a pretty competitive level, high level, and um, he had us all doing visualisation and he was very motivational. He's the type of guy that just looked at you and he was like, oh, shit, I better do it. Um, and he pushed He pushed us. He was old school. He pushed it. A little it. bit of tough love? A lot of tough love, yeah. Probably more tough than love. But and How old were you when, you when you went through this? In your teens or? 12. 12, really? Yeah, yeah. I was a swimmer from 12 onwards and... Um, yeah, he had us, you know, you know, running up and down sand dunes and like hurting mm. and, uh, and I just thrived on that. And that led me to then end up doing surf lifesaving at a high level. And, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of his early influence and, and he had us, you know, watch motivational videos and all that sort of thing. So mm. funny, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now, <laughs> but I used to, you know, Got got into some books and things that he he recommended early on. Mm. Yeah, so I think it was, I think it was him that had a, a pretty decent influence on me. Absolutely, and I think as well too. That's becoming a reoccurring theme in the interviews. Whether that's my my mm. sample size is indicative of everybody else, but very often I think people sort of they they go towards these paths and they don't mm. necessarily know exactly why. But if you dig back, there's been something. There's inspirational or something that was passionate to them or somebody early on who gave them uh, a really positive indication of that or, or left a meaningful mark of that and they've just naturally gravitated towards yeah I've got another guy uh, another guy who I <clears throat> by the name of Alan Weiss um, brash New York Jew who is arguably one of the best speakers in the world I saw him speak it was like one of the first you know, conferences I've ever uh, ever went to. And I saw Alan Weiss speak, no PowerPoint, no flip mm. charts, no nothing, just his words. Mm. And he had everyone laughing, crying. After an hour of a keynote, he, had ev- he just had everyone in the palm of his hand. And I just thought, like, that's, that's an art form. That, mm. that is something that I would love to be able to do. And he's... he's some would say overconfidence, but his confidence and how he can put a story together and how ambiguous his storytelling was, I think it was just an absolute art form and how he made impact on the audience and on their businesses because that was the group. I just thought I'd love to be able to do that one day. God, mm-hmm. that, that guy's you know, a miracle worker. And, uh, yeah, I, and that's where I fell in love with the art form. Of, of being a good orator, I think um, speakers are called. But, mm. yeah, I fell in love with speaking that day. Mm. Um, what gives you a disproportionate return on investment of your time and energy? Uh, hanging out with the right people. Having good conversations with the right people. Um, I think that that collapses time, big time. Mm. And I don't squander that. The great part about, you know, like doing your podcasts and 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 just thinking about the kind of circles of people that you want to be around, if you get their ear for a bit and you can ask them some questions, I think that, that shaves years off learning in other forms. So I think that would be... Yeah, the, the first thing that jumps to mind. Mm, fantastic. Um, what mantra or inspirational quote has most changed your life and why? And I'd love if you could place this as to where you first heard it. Um, 
I always love Jim Rowan. I think it was Jim Rowan or someone said, choose a career that you love and you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. I've bloody worked even though I've chosen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, setting up a uh, – and Seth Godin said uh, – uh, oh, God. Create a life that you don't need a vacation from. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it. And then you've got, if it is to be, it is up to me. That's that's actually a Confucius uh, saying, if it is to be, it is up to me. And, yeah, I, I, that those ones is, uh, yeah, sort of stuck with me probably the most. And, and um, don't know who said it, but what a, maybe it's Napoleon Hill, what a mind can conceive and truly believe you can achieve. Mm. So if you can think it, um, and I, I, I wouldn't say just think it, but think it and write it. Yeah, it's amazing the writing process. I know, I know I'm the bucket list guy and writing down bucket lists. And but you know, I write my goals every single day, every single day. What I'm going to achieve by the end of the year, and what I'm going to achieve like that times ten. Mm. And uh, and it's amazing the you know how how much it makes your goals come to fruition when you actually write them. Mm. And I suppose that's a great segue into our next question is, uh, tell me about your morning routine. Uh, I've hacked into this um, pretty uh, decently over the over the years. And what sets me up? Well, well, right now I, I kind of get up, get up <clears throat> like I'm going to get up tomorrow morning at quarter past five, <laughs> ten past five, don the lycra, be a full mammal, middle-aged man in lycra. <laughs> Uh, and I'm training, obviously, for the Tour de France. Um, I've got, what, one week before I get on planes. So, uh, and it is pretty damn cold at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I've i been riding. I have a, I have a, a long black coffee before I go out mm-hmm. um, and then go out and ride and then come home. Um, and I, and I, do, I, I do riding because there's very, number one, there's friends of mine waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, there's accountability <laughs> built in. Yeah. Um, and I get really, you get really unpopular if you're, a, a f- you promise a lot and you don't turn up. Absolutely. Yeah. You'll be outed from the herd pretty quickly. Um, two, you get some cardio done. It wakes me up. I've got to move as mm. soon as I get up. I can't just get up and have breakfast. It, mm. it just freaks me out. Um, so I've got to get up and move. So whether, if I don't ride, I'll go, I'll walk where I live right now is exactly a kilometer down to the, down to the beach. Where I'll get a coffee down there, mm. um, and then walk back. Hopefully, there's some extra sugar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And uh, and then, but I'll ride normally and come back and then make uh, make brekkie for myself. Uh, and it's normally a you know eggs and a very alkaline breakfast, um, lots of greens and things like that. Um, uh, and then, I'll, while I'm making brekkie, I will watch. Whatever task I've got for that, you know, for the morning, like whether it be a creative kind of task, I normally do my create my creative tasks in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't coach in the morning. I don't. Uh, I don't do any mentoring in the morning. I I do all my to do list before I worry about other people, mm-hmm. and that's a a productivity hack that I've found works really well for me. So. But if I'm, say, for instance, uh, Monday mornings, it's now Sunday, Monday mornings I do a lot of my, you know, my book work. So uh, and I've got to get into reconciliations. I do all that stuff myself. You know, there's, there's not a lot of transactions in what I do. 
So I can do all that myself, put that hat on, you know, take a little <laughs> bit of motivation to put that hat on. Yeah. But I'll listen to something like a Dave Ramsey podcast um, and just get me in that money money kind of, you know, modality, I mm. guess, way of thinking about, about, you know, making money and bills and all that sort of thing and watching your money and that gives me in the right. But if I was going to do something creative, I'd, I'd listen to something creative a podcast normally that gets me in that creative space or if I'm going to do something around book writing, I would actually look at something on YouTube while I'm making brekkie about that. Mm, so you're using something to sort of trigger the set them back. Totally, mate. Yeah, totally. God, it works. Mm. It works. Like, uh, and I, I try and find something that's really related to the task, the first task that I'm going to do of my MVPs, which is my most valuable priorities. So mm. I'll have three MVPs a day and I'll try to give them an hour to 90-minute block mm. each. And look, if I've done two of them, I'm happy. And you said I've, you write those down every morning as well too? Yeah. Transpose your goals every day? Yep, yep, every single, goal, every single day. Mm. My to-do list is always current um, as to... What I'm, uh, what I'm going to do for that day, and and yeah, just make sure I knock those off before I do everything else. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, try not to get monkey mind and go off in different directions. <laughs> do a million things. Procrastinate. I'll, I'll always try and get you know my most most valuable priority at least done every single day. So otherwise, I don't feel I've had a productive day. Absolutely. One last quick question I want to ask as well too. We spoke obviously about being the bucket list guy, but as you look at your bucket list, what has been your what has been your favorite item you've ticked off your list? And, and I'd love if you could tell us why you think it's your favorite as well too. Um, I think probably the most impactful one was doing the Ironman mm-hmm. because I entered the Ironman as an Ironman triathlonist. So that's a three, 3.8K swim, 180 bike ride, 180-kilometer bike ride, and then a marathon. I entered it having never done a triathlon before or owning a like a road bike. Mm. I just did it and just entered it and then went, all right, and I figured it out. So that was the second thing I ever wrote on my bucket list, on my to-do list before oh, wow. I die, yes. I, I literally had that on my list since I was 18. And uh, so the first step is I had to enter. Mm-hmm. And then I went, all right, now I've entered it, and then I Went went shopping. <laughs> Time to get the gear. Yeah. How and, long did uh, you How long did you give yourself to actually? It was about it? nine. No, it was about tw- it was twelve months because oh, you got it into twelve months out. Yeah. Uh, so I did that, and about three months in, I realised I needed a coach because I was just I was overtraining and getting injured and dehydrated mm. and all that. Um, but yeah, it was a case of, and I did about forty to fifty videos. Um, on my journey, you know, some of them I was just crying to camera and it was hurting. Um, but that kind of helped me, you know, really get on the map as the bucket list guy. And I, as a result of that, yeah, it, it, I got a lot of followers and et cetera, et cetera. But um, that, was, that was a tough one and, and it was all an experiment to see. I was a good swimmer, um, but as far as, and I've done one marathon, mm-hmm. But putting it all together was a different <laughs> different thing. And so, uh, you know, I put it together and I did an amazing time and, and lost six and a half kilograms in nine hours and 26 oh. minutes. And wow. 
you know, put myself on a drip and everything at the end and yeah. just went to another place. Yeah. But I but I trained, you know, I trained flat out for it. Um and yeah, and it proved to myself if the why is strong enough, the how will work itself out and you just gotta commit. Mm. And I encourage people just to commit in some form or another. But then again, you know, like it it I uh, done some. Um, I'm sure the France thing will be. You know, you got Ted. I went to Mount Kilimanjaro with Dad last year. Uh, Kokoda with a bunch of people. Took some people with base camp on in, through Tibet. It was amazing. Mm. And then the little things. Uh, um, it's it's kind of less about me now and more about other people. So, um, you know, it's amazing. You know, some of the people have gone and written books and done all sorts of things around me it's it's really really cool um and so yeah i i kind of just do my bucket list as in as a way to instigate theirs mm. really because that's what gives me the the greatest pleasure and and you know someone sent me a i'm putting together my book at the moment and um <laughs> it's um Got me thinking. One of the guys on his bucket list was to uh, sing Ice Ice Baby with Vanilla Ice on stage, and he actually did it the other day. <laughs> and another guy, uh, he was an absolute, like in the Kiss Army, and he went to America to rock school and sang on stage. He sang Love Gun with Paul Stanley of Kiss. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that was his wow. thing. And then you've got people who've done heaps of holidays, travel, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I've got people who started charities, mate, and, and then just, you know, I've got people who started businesses, inventions, uh, launched their own design range. I've got people that have uh, designed and built their own houses. I've got even Ollie the other day, she sent me a, a thing about her um her and her partner weren't weren't together for years and years, and their whole thing was just to walk on a deserted beach together. Hmm. And it was a beautiful story. And one of them had gone through cancer, and the whole bit, and uh, uh, just tearjerker. So it's not a pissing contest, hmm. um, and it's whatever's what is impactful. Whatever is impactful to that person is the most important thing. Absolutely, and on that. Travis, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. My Obviously, pleasure. uh behalf of myself and the whole YT Nation, absolutely best of luck on your uh, your trip overseas. And uh, obviously, we look forward to following you. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a round, a round two of this in the future. <laughs> and we'll have all the wisdoms and yeah. uh, go from there. But Travis, thanks again for your time. Appreciate cool, it. Just Beautiful. for everybody listening, where can they actually, uh, where can they keep up to date on your journey and um, things you do? I'm all over social media. Uh, you know, like, uh, what am I... Trav Bell dashed the bucket list guy on Facebook. Um, I've maxed out my friends on my personal, so you might as well just go over to the business page. Mm. <laughs> uh, and on Instagram, I'm big on Instagram and my day. I think I just filmed some stuff on on Instagram on here. I'm at Trav Bell on Instagram. Um, and then just www.thebucketlistguy.com and subscribe in there and you've got the podcast and bits and pieces on there absolutely and i always encourage everybody to go check it out stay up to date and i know i've uh, obviously started following you a couple about a month or two ago and you had some great stuff always evolving it's good it's good as you're reading through the facebook feed and reading about all the other stuff that people are doing and all that to have a, something to pop up every once in a while that makes you just pause and mm. reflect and think a little bit so i really appreciate it. and thanks so much for having cool, me man. 
Awesome. Thanks again, Travis. Hi, everyone, and thank you again for joining me for today's chat. Please make sure you jump on Facebook to quickly like and share this podcast episode. If you're not already following me, please take another quick minute to hit that like button so you can stay up to date with all new podcast episodes, exciting announcements, and other things going on. You can find me on Facebook at Project Y2, that's at Project Y and the number two. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn if you're there. Don't forget to share and rate this on wherever you find your podcast episodes. And I look forward to having you join me again for our next Y2 podcast.